you make of everything that's going on right now with the virus and the protesting and the police brutality? Well, um, I've kind of been writing about this for 30 years, that this whole um, transformation of society into an Orwellian global state uh, was not some figment of the imagination, but was something that was coldly calculated and has been planned a long time. Uh, and one of the foundations of any tyranny is divide and rule. And, you know, I, I don't just write about um, names, dates, places, um, manipulation, though I do that in enormous detail. I also talk about the fact that we are um, consciousness. We're all points of attention in the same consciousness. Uh, I, my point of attention has a different perception to um, another and another and another, but we're all uh, expressions of the same consciousness. And what happens in a very brief period called being human um, in this extraordinarily manipulated society, manipulated by manipulating perception, not only of world events, but of self-identity, is that we get caught in the idea that we are our colour, we are a race, we are our uh, life story, we are our religion, we are our country, uh, and uh, we are our sex or sexuality. Uh, and these are not who we are, they are experiences that we're having. Experiences that who we really are, consciousness, is, is having and is observing. And once you lose that self-identity of consciousness, when in the end we're all expressions of each other, then you get pulled in to what I call um, label self-identity, where you self-identify with all those things and others, all the labels that we give ourselves and are given. Uh, and if you look at <clears throat> what's been um, happening over quite a period of time, it's um, not just that uh, we have had labels of race used to divide and rule, though we have that systematically happening. And this whole woke mentality is actually um, has been funded and manipulated into place by the one percent, by the multi multi billionaire class that the woke claim to oppose, but clearly don't because they're in bed with a lot of them, not least people like George Soros. Uh, and so we have not only divide and rule by race, but if you look at what's been happening across the swathe of society, um, the labels that we self-identify with have, have got smaller and smaller and smaller. And the more um, we um, create these um, and squeeze these self-identities, the more self-identities there are to play off against each other in divide and rule. And so we now have this list of letters, self-identity letters, getting longer and longer and longer all the time, to the point where you can't even parody it anymore. And so now um, you have um, feminists um, at war with transgender people. It's, it's everywhere, this divide and rule. And if there's, uh, if there's a few of you, 
and you want to control and dictate the lives of the many, you have to divide and rule the many. You have to set the many at war with each other so that they are fighting each other, seeing each other as the enemy. And in doing so, they don't see you holding the strings of all these different labels and playing them off against each other. So that, in terms of you know, racial division and all these other divisions, is exactly what's going on, and it is calculated. Yeah, the, the, the powers that be like to see that happening and, and um, kind of speaking to what you, you know, you've said over the years, uh, you know, how do you how do you control, you know, seven billion people or nearly eight billion people at this point, um, with, you know, through division, you know, divide and conquer and, and uh, getting people to have tribes against each other. When in reality, we should all be working together to expose, you know, who's really who's really benefiting and profiting. So, yeah, the thing, yeah, is, the thing is that the, 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 the stadium. The stadium in which human control is played is perception. That's it. The whole the whole point um, of um, this whole uh, global conspiracy is to control human perception, because from perception comes behavior. We behave the way that we do in the different ways we do because of the perceptions we have. So if you can control perceptions, you control behavior. And you control perceptions by controlling the information that people receive to form those perceptions. This is why I've you know, i been banned from uh, YouTube with a, a million subscribers, or why I've been banned from uh, Facebook, uh, why I've been banned from uh, almost anything that moves uh, in the mainstream internet. It's because I was putting information out um, about this uh, pandemic Uh, hoax, um, which um, was offering people information to form, if they choose to, another perception of what's happening. Now, that's no good if you're trying to control perception. You have to control the narrative, which dictates perception overwhelmingly. And so um, we've had this situation where the World Health Organization, which was created by the Rockefeller family, and is owned currently um, on behalf of what I call the global cult by Bill Gates, its second biggest funder, second only to the uh, United States. Um, and uh, they have put out a narrative which has now uh, been absolutely discredited. I mean, they were saying that um, we have to have lockdowns because um, the death rate of this so-called COVID-19 is 3.4%. When now it turns out with latest CDC figures, that it's about 0.26%, even if you believe um, that it exists at all, and I don't. Um, and and um, so you've got this narrative put out by this cult-owned World Health Organization. And then on the other side uh, 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 of America, in Silicon Valley, you have Google, Google-owned YouTube, Facebook, saying we are going to delete and censor anyone who basically challenges the World Health Organization version of this pandemic. So what they're doing is controlling information. And if you're going to do that, you have to uh, um, delete information that's not what you want people to see, as well as promote that which you want them to see. And this um, is uh, uh, done to create um, uh, control of perception. And so what we've had, and you know, it's kind of, you know, it's a bit of a head shaker for me, having been writing about this for 30 years, that people have said to me so many times, mate, over the years, uh, it's ridiculous. A few people can't control the world. It's not possible. And then in a few weeks, um, three billion people uh, plus are under house arrest around the world. 
uh, on the say-so of a, a, a very, uh, very tiny number of people, ultimately. Uh, very tiny, globally, ultimately. So uh, uh, it's possible for two reasons. Um, one, the great majority buy into what they're told is going on, i.e. This, dan uh, this dangerous virus. And as a result of their perceptions being formed from accepting that information, they go under house arrest because they think it's going to protect them. And then you've got another group of people who kind of realize that something's not right here, but they still do it because they fear the consequences of not doing it. Uh, and in the end, it's all perception. It's control of perception that caused the lockdowns. You know, if they'd have said, OK, what's going to happen is everything's going to shut. This small number of people in each country, all ultimately controlled by a, a, a central global uh, core. Uh, and the population in large numbers said, we're, we're not shutting down. We're not going to do it. It wouldn't have happened. It happened because of acquiescence and because of perceptual manipulation. Yeah, there was a lot of fear around it. And um, yeah, here in the States, a lot of people are just really afraid. And you're right, man, the, the, the molding of perception in the mind. And it's, it's very powerful and can control what people do. Um, so well, a little well, let's, background. Let's David. just look very quickly at, at, at what uh, just how powerful that is. Um, we um, have a situation where people are so frightened of COVID-19, which I say doesn't exist. They've never proved it to exist. Absolutely never proved it to exist. Um, they, um, people have become so frightened of that that they're frightened to go to hospital to get treatment or diagnosis for heart problems, uh, uh, um, uh, cancer, etc. And we had a cancer um, specialist in Britain say a couple of weeks ago uh, that the life expectancy of lots of people is going to be very much shorter than it would have been as a result of this lockdown because this was his line, which kind of captures this, the power of this programming. He said, people are more frightened of COVID-19 than cancer. Uh, and that, that's the power of the programming that we've been watching. Yeah, absolutely. So a little background, uh, David. You first came into my radar when I was a young boy. I was about 12 or 13, and my father had your books on his nightstand. Right. So, you know, you're always wondering, what's what's my old man reading, you know? So he had The Truth Will Set You Free um, on his nightstand, and, you know, I opened it as a 12-year-old boy. It was hard to understand a lot of what I was reading, but um, obviously you want to know what your father's interested in, and then... Um, you know, flash forward to 2016, um, unfortunately, our father was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer, and uh, he was given five months to live, and, um, you know, I hadn't thought about a lot of your, about your work or your stuff for a while, but I happened upon Phantom Self in a bookstore, right. and, um, you know, I bought Phantom Self, and, and you know, I want to tell you that book brought me a lot of comfort um, having it in the hospital and reading it while my father was dying. So, um, you know, I would kind of like to get your take on what is death? Is it just a continuation of our consciousness and um, what your thoughts are on it overall? Um, death is simply a transfer of attention. That's all it is. Uh, if you... Um, Again, you know, in the end, if, if, whatever subject we talk about, if we talk about it for long enough, lots of other things will connect to it because everything's connected to everything else. 
So I was talking earlier about labels. If you self-identify with labels, this is who I am, this is my I, then you are self-identifying with a body that has a, um, a limited period because there's a cycle it goes through. We can control that cycle far more than we believe we can, but it's a cycle. And, and I'm glad there's a cycle because I don't want to stay here forever. Thank you. I've got forever to explore. <laughs> Thank you very much. I don't want to stay here forever, long enough to make a difference, but not forever. So um, if you uh, self-identify then with labels, then death can take on a certain perspective, which is the end. And you can, um, uh, do I go with a religious or do I go with a, with a science that says, that, you know, life's a bitch and then you die and all that stuff and it's all over. Um, but when you self-identify with being the consciousness that's having the experience, and the consciousness that's observing the experience, then death takes on a very different light. So when we have all these now millions of people, in fact, beyond millions, because this whole phenomenon of so-called near-death experiences is described in ancient texts and Greek texts and Roman texts, um, where the body dies and... Um, and, and then is brought back to life. And in the intervening period, uh, people have experiences of reality beyond the body. And what the body is, um, is a holographic um, focus of attention. So if I said to people, when you look out of your eyes, can you see everything in the space you're looking at? That most people would say, yeah, well, of course you can. Well, you can't. Um, what we call um, the human world, the visual human world, is a tiny, tiny, laughably tiny um, band of frequency called visible light, which, um, you know, depending which scientists you talk to, um, is, is as small as, uh, oh, if you take the electromagnetic spectrum, which includes the smear of visible light, um, is as small as 0.005% of what exists in the universe. Some say it's a bit more, but not much. It's tiny. So you've got this 0.005%, the electromagnetic spectrum, and visible light is a smear of that, and that's all we can see. Um, and so what this body does is it's, it's a focus of attention. It, it can only pick up and through the brain process um, in terms of five sense reality, the so-called physical reality that we say we're experiencing, within that tiny band of frequency. That's all it can do. So your attention is focused on this um, tiny smear of frequency. When the body um, dies and the consciousness is released, and I've got a, a book that I've just finished where I'm, I'm explaining this process and how it, how it works. It's to do with wave entanglement. Wave entanglement, you know, the wave, the wave uh, uh, nature of mind and the wave nature of ultimately a body, they entangle with each other. We call that a human life. And then when the body dies, they disentangle and we call that death. Um, so we've got this focus of attention. And so when the body uh, uh, releases the, the, the uh, experiencing consciousness, um, the consciousness is no longer subject to that um, 
incredible focus of attention we call the human world. And suddenly it's seeing the world beyond that focus. And this is why um, over and over again, near-death experiences have described that when they leave the body, their, their consciousness absolutely expands and they can experience and perceive what they call past, present and future in the same moment. Because uh, this is this is the Stone Age that we're in. It's an experience, yeah, okay, but it's the Stone Age compared with um, reality beyond it. Uh, and and so um, death is is literally a transfer of attention from the focus to the expanded consciousness um, once you're released from the body. That's all it is. And it's such a transitory experience, human life. I mean, I'm 68. Um, and and it's flown past. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. if we um, if, if we self-identify the I with the labels instead of seeing them as the experience the true I is having, we have a certain uh, view of life and we have a certain view of death. But when we self-identify with the consciousness that's having those experiences, that perception of life and death is very very different. And you lose you lose the fear of death, and once you lose the fear of death, you lose the fear of almost everything. Um, well, and, and, and it, it just, impacts how you live. Yeah, it just very quickly. Uh, um, I don't want to uh, hog things, but um, what what is this pandemic? What is the whole foundation of this pandemic? Control. Fear. Fear of death. That's what it is. Fear of death. And when you don't have that. You, you don't um, you, you don't allow yourself to be controlled by being manipulated to fear. Yeah, absolutely. And you know that that's how our, our old man lived his life. He was also a uh, he was a renegade. He was he was a uh, he did his own thing. He didn't have that fear. He didn't care what other people thought about him. Um, it, but you know when he expressed his his views and and he always thought other people should be able to express their views. So um, I think in a lot of ways, you know, one of the reasons we're Having this conversation with you today is is uh, is still, you know, very much uh, from from the experience we had with our dad for thirty years. Well, what you described, what your dad said there, is just the most. It's just the the foundation of any society that claims itself to be free. Yeah, that everybody has the right to their opinion. Um, That's right. It doesn't mean you have to believe it. It means they have the right to have it. And I'll tell you a, a thing that's that's going on, um, and, and it, it relates to this whole woke mentality. What this woke mentality has been manipulated to believe, because it's incredibly narcissistic, it's been manipulated to be like that. It has this um, mentality that I call, I am right. I am right. I am right about this. I am right about that. Um, and the thought process goes on to say, I am right. And because I am right, anyone who has a different opinion to me is wrong. And if they're wrong, then what's it matter if they don't have a freedom of speech? Because they're wrong. Um, and first of all, the right to be wrong is fundamental to human freedom. Because once you don't have the right to be wrong, and that's very subjective, uh, overwhelmingly anyway. 
um, then someone in authority is deciding what's right and wrong, and and then you're into tyranny. Um, so, if you have a, if we had a society which your dad described, um, where everyone had the right to an opinion and the right to be heard, not to be, you know, believed, but the right to be heard, then we would live in a, a world dramatically different to the one we have now. Um, if um, we had the free flow of information over this pandemic, then a lot more people, I mean, a lot more, a lot of people have sussed it. it. It's woken a lot of people up to the fact the world's not like they thought it was. But there's still a, a, a very uh, large, um, vast number of people who are still buying the official story, not least because that's all they've ever heard. Um, and if we had the free flow of information, then um, that wouldn't be uh, like that on the same scale. People will have heard other possibilities that would actually make more sense of experienced events. And it's this um, deletion of what your dad talked about, the free flow of opinion, that is fundamental to um, controlling perception by controlling information. And that's why we have this hysteria of censorship. You know, this, this censorship is not an expression of the power of this cult. It's an expression of its weakness. Uh, why are they trying to unperson me, uh, delete me from everything? One bloke on the Isle of Wight in a little flat um, turning out information. They control yeah. the mainstream media, they control Silicon Valley, they control governments, they control the financial system, they control corporations, and, 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 and they want to silence me. Because Why? Because the power is with the truth. It has a, a frequency, it has a power that mendacity doesn't have. And uh, so uh, they, need to, they need to silence it. Uh, and that's a sign of their weakness, not their strength. If they, if they were truly strong and truly powerful, they wouldn't matter about people like me. Yeah, and, and then that leads to self-censorship. I, I feel like there are so many people, it, it touches on what you're saying, there's so many people who really feel like deep down something's wrong here, but if I express that opinion or that view, I'm going to get shamed, I'm going to get shut down, uh, my friends and family are going to... Don't, are not going to want to associate with me. So it, it's the self-censorship, I think, that's killer as well. You're absolutely right. That That's the most insidious of all censorship because there's no debate. Um, the, you just don't say it. Uh, and, you know, people need to, I would suggest, ask themselves where this road leads. I mean, they don't really have to ask themselves now because we're so far along it of where it's leading. Uh so your so your family um, dismiss you. So your your family have a go at you. So your friends do. Um, are they friends if they do uh, f challenge and ridicule and dismiss you just for the fact you have a different opinion? I don't think that's friends to me. Um, but right, where, uh, I mean, what what is the most important? What your friends think of you? or what I say they're your friends, or what your family think of you, or the world going into a tyranny that would make Orwell wince and taking your friends and your family with it, that they can't see it. And staggeringly now they can't see it, uh, but a lot of people still can't. What is the most important? Look your kids and your grandkids in the eye and tell them that um, 
you have to stay silent uh, and sit on your hands, do as you're told. Because, well, what will my mum and dad say? What will, what will the people around the, um, at, at work say, if you have any work? Um, what's most important? Because if you think it's bad now, if we go on as we are, what's it going to be like for our kids and grandkids? A nightmare beyond uh, imagination. So, you know, I've been standing up to this and challenging this for 30 years, and I'm still here, um, and I'm still going. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you've got to decide what's most important to you, what people think of you, or where the world's going for your kids and grandkids. And and for you, because this is happening now. This is not sometime never over the rainbow. Uh, and, you know, every day that we sit on our hands, this is going on, getting deeper and deeper into uh, uh, fascism, because that's what, what we're, we're living under now. It's a fascistic society. And it's, it's, it's been allowed to happen because people have... Um, got on with their lives without looking around and seeing what's happening, but also because those who have, have been through this same process of, well, what will people think of me if I challenge it? They'll say I'm a conspiracy nut. Okay. And your point is, right? Right. Yeah. What's it matter Absolutely. what people think of you? They'll think something else tomorrow. I'm stopped <laughs> in the street now by people that want to um, talk about my work. At a, at a, 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 who were the people that were laughing and ridiculing uh, me uh, decades ago. Right, like when you were on Terry Wogan there. Um, and then, you know, and it also speaks to the, just the treatment that you get from the mainstream press whenever you go on there and you got some knucklehead, uh, you know, sneering at you and, and, and you're like, have you read my book, mate? And they're like, well, no. no. So, of course, they haven't read. They haven't read your book. They're, they're hatchet, hatchet men serving a job. Um, but that's becoming, I think, so transparent and so... It's 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 desperate. It's really desperate because yeah. Well, what they're doing you got, now, you got Rose Ike four coming up. I mean, the last one you did was was perhaps one of the largest, if not the largest, live stream event in human history. Yeah. So they tell me, um, and um, you know what they're doing now uh, in their desperation is they're they're putting out all these mainstream stories that that I'm making millions of of, uh, of pounds a year and I'm a multi multi millionaire. And I say to them, so why have I lived in a one-bedroom flat for 20 years? Why will I live out my days here, almost certainly? Um, why do I work seven days a week, uh, literally seven days a week, um, uh, year after year after year? Um, uh, when am I going to spend my money, you know? Uh, yeah. I, I, it's just, where's your invite to the Rothschild mansion? Yeah. You know, where's your invite to the party? Well, this is this is the whole, whole point that um, ultimately the owners of the people who are doing this, that bravely call themselves journalists in their self-delusion, um, are billionaires. Um, and, but, but, you know, if, if you're going to get your source of income from the mainstream media, then you, you are going to be a propaganda uh, source for the for the one percent because that's how it works and if you choose not to be then you're not going to be in the mainstream media so these people basically are, are just uh, propaganda uh, operatives uh, masquerading as um, as being journalists but 
You know, I've had 30 years of it. I've been ridiculed. I've been abused. I've been laughed at in the street. I've had whole, you know, bars and university um, halls laughing at me. I've had it all. It goes in one ear and out the other now. They can't, you can't hurt me that way. Um, so they can throw what they like. Um, and the thing is not to defend yourself um, and, and stop and say, oh, you, know, you can't say that about me. No, you, 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 boom, boom, boom. Just keep going. Um, and let them worry about you, because uh, I'm certainly not going to worry about them, because they're nothing to worry about. Right, exactly. Um, and it, yeah, exactly. I mean, I saw you, David, in 2016 in New York City in September of 2016. I went to your talk there. In it New was York hot, City. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was hot, man. I've never been so and, hot in uh, my life as I was in that talk in New York. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was epic, man, and. Um, that was an interesting weekend for me because I also interviewed Jesse Ventura the day before I went and saw you. Right. And, uh, you know, I remember you guys had a pretty uh, pretty pretentious or not contentious meeting um, yeah. on this conspiracy theory show. He wasn't that nice to you, was he? No, it was very strange. It was very strange. Um, you know, the alternative media, as it's called, um, is not a thing. It's not an entity. It's a vast spectrum of people and perception. And at one end of the alternative media, it's almost imperceptibly uh, different from the uh, mainstream. It, it is basically the mainstream of light. And then it goes cross right to um, the other side where people like me are questioning everything, nature of reality, all of it. Um, and, and so the alternative media is not a thing. It's a massive, vast spectrum of perception. And I'm on one end of it, and uh, Jesse Ventura is on the other end of it. Um, and uh, he is just, uh, you know, barely different from the mainstream. And what he did was what a mainstream would do. Um, he never looked at the background. He never looked at... Um, uh, the detail of what I'm saying. He never read any books and he came in with a preconceived idea that big um, Navy SEAL. Um, it was Jesse, an ambush. Jesse yeah. Ventura. It was an absolute ambush and I knew it was coming. And, and the I'm off the grid, David. I, I was a governor, David. I know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, I was no. a governor. Well, that's all right then. Yeah, you, 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 governors, governors who are locking down people all over America, yeah, they know what they're talking about. But um, what happened in the run-up to that is I was ever so ill I'd um, done a big tour of Australia and I came into Cleveland um, to do a talk and that's where I met him. Um, and at that time, um, the, um, the, the whole uh, security at airports was increased and uh, Jesse Ventura uh, said that he would never fly again uh, because of the security, I bet he has. So he comes on a train <laughs> um, to... Um, to Cleveland, and um, I've been ill ever since I got to Cleveland. I've been I've been in bed and really struggling. And I had a I had a nine ten hour talk in Cleveland the very morning that he talked to me. Um, so I'm um, sitting in the dressing room um, beforehand, feeling rather um, uh, ill um, with a nine ten hour talk to come. But I thought, you know, Jesse Ventura, he does this conspiracy theory program. Um, well, yeah, we'll have a chat. Um, and uh, it was interesting. I, you know, it's an ambush because um, the producer said to me, oh, you know, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. I said, OK, so uh, where's, where's Jesse then? Can I let me have a chat with Jesse? Oh, no, no, no. 
Jesse, you, uh, Jesse doesn't want to talk before before we're we're rolling. So I knew then it was. I mean, I I have been in this business a long time. I knew then it was a it was an ambush. And, um, it's like a wrestling match. Yeah, and he 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 strolls in once they go camera rolling. He strolls in like something out of Shrek, and 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 sits down and starts. And I, I, I'm looking at my friend Neil Hager, who's an artist who does art for my books, and and I'm I'd say you know. Have I just entered a parallel universe? I thought this guy was from a conspiracy theory program, uh, and 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 it was it was bizarre. And and the um, the 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 actual program was absolutely disgraceful. Um, uh, apparently, I, I I think it was two million a year I was earning then, um, according to Jesse Ventura. And um, I looked at his house at the time, just out of interest, and it was a massive freaking mansion in his own grounds. And I'm in a one-bedroom flat. Uh, I mean, it's it's a joke, really. Uh, so I, you know, I I I am a, a maverick, and I'm a maverick even within the uh, alternative right. media because you yeah. know, much of that has ridiculed me as well. Less so now, mind. Yeah, yeah. Jesse was he was abrasive to you. I mean, I had a good interview with him, but um, you know, I was the one doing the interview, and you know, we chatted before we did our interview. We don't we don't do that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, props to you for going on with him and you know going on the mat with the with the body. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we we binge watched the uh, Epstein documentary on Netflix. Are you planning on watching that? And do you think there's any hope that they're going to get Ghislaine Maxwell and any of the, any of his confederates that were involved with him? Well, the way it works is the cult defends its own until it's so detrimental for the cult to go on doing that that it it hangs them out to dry. This is happening all the time. So, for instance, when um, Epstein was first um, uh, caught, arrested uh, for uh, what he was doing with young girls, um, the cult defended him uh, and uh, did a deal to get him a ridiculously, uh, almost irrelevant sentence uh, so that uh, he could continue to do what he was doing. And I'll come to what he was doing in a sec. Um, but then when these very brave and tenacious women, and I you know, had a, a, a long chat with one of them, lovely, lovely lady, very grounded and very intelligent, um, they wouldn't give up. And so um, he was arrested again. And this time, because the original uh, extraordinarily uh, um, lenient deal sentence was exposed, they couldn't go down that road again. So um, this was a different level for the cult. Now there was a, a possibility that through Epstein, uh, a, a, a massive web could be um Uncovered because he was friends with Gates, he was friends with with the Clintons, obviously, and, and a load of other people. Prince Andrew, um, and uh, so um, they um, they made sure he would never appear in court. And in the same way, um, Ghislaine Maxwell, who is the daughter of a Mossad agent, Bob Maxwell, who I actually met once when he was owner of the Daily Mirror, a big um, tabloid newspaper in Britain. Uh, and um, he um, was a Mossad agent. This was uh, revealed um, by a, a, a Mossad agent who uh, wrote books about um, 
what he knew in his time as uh, working with Mossad. Um, and um, he uh, was eventually, Bob Maxwell, was murdered by Mossad because uh, he was also uh, reaching that point, his business empire was collapsing and what have you, uh, where he could be a problem um, and could be a vehicle for a lot coming out. So they did for him. And then they, they bury him in a, in a, in a, 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 a funeral on um, the Mount of Olives uh, with, you know, full um, Israel. Former heads of the Mossad, they're there for him. Yeah, exactly. All these, all these, uh, oh, he was, a he was a lovely man, Bob Waxwell. We, we had to kill him in the end, though. We had to kill him in the end because he, he was going to be trouble. But he was a lovely man, you know. So, so you see, she also knows where the bodies are buried. And actually, some of them literally, I'm sure. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, so the same with her. While they can protect her, they'll protect her. But if she becomes a liability and a, a possibility as a, a, a gateway into um, uh, deeper levels of this cult, then, um, then they'll, um, they'll, they'll hang her out to dry as well. Uh, because what um, Epstein was doing is um, it was running on behalf of Mossad, and Mossad connects into the CIA anyway, uh, a, um, a blackmail operation for the rich and famous. And this is happening all the time. Um, you, you, there's a few of you, and you want to control the many. So what you have to do is compromise people, not absolutely in your circle, but what you need, who you need to um, promote your agenda. And so they compromise them. And, and the, the biggest way they compromise them is um, having um, sex with underage uh, children. And that um, is why, or one reason, there are others, why there's such a vast child um, abuse uh, network, um, which in the end goes into the security services and goes into Satanism and, and it goes into the military. Uh, and they compromise people. And so it's like, okay, um, well... You can you can push this legislation. You can introduce this legislation that we want, and, and you'll be fine. Oh, oh, be fine. Or you can refuse to. In which case, um, we have some videos. Uh, this is the this is what happens. Uh, and Again. all the time, it happens in Britain. Uh, and so there's a, it's, one of the things you see. If you ever see this, you do see it a lot, where someone goes goes in to politics with a certain certain attitude or a certain, you know, policy um, direction they want to go, and suddenly they change. What's he doing that for? Um, often it's because it's been compromised. Uh, and so rather than do what they would like to do, they do what they're told to do. And it seems on the surface that this man's suddenly done a U-turn. Um, but what's behind it is compromise, being compromised. Yeah, absolutely. And I try to... In, in lame terms, um, just tell people Epstein was a cutout for Les Wexner in the mega group, Yeah, essentially. That's where his money came from. He wasn't a brilliant manager of hedge funds. He was a grifter and a liar and a cheat and a con artist. And Wexner set him up with the mansions. He set him up at the Zorro Ranch. He, he, he set up all the wiring equipment and all the filming uh, apparatus in all the mansions. So, you know, that's, that's pretty much bottom line what he was, and that's where the, the funding came from. Well, this is, what, this is what you see a lot of. You see the front people um, who appear to be um, at the head of some vast enterprise. I'm going to come to someone in a minute. Uh, who 
um, appear to be, uh, or to, to do what they appear to be doing, would need to be extremely sharp, extremely bright, extremely intelligent. But often you look at them and you think, how did you build this? Well, the answer is they didn't. Uh, it's built by the cult and they become a front for it. And I would include Bill Gates in that. Um, Bill Gates um, uh, uh, has um, apparently built this software empire. I mean, I, 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 let me give you a wonderful example, uh, 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 one of the best I can give you. Mark Zuckerberg. Look at him. He's a child. He's, he's permanently looking into the headlights of an oncoming train. You see his performances on Capitol Hill. That is not a man who's built uh, uh, Facebook. Um, he's the front man for Facebook. He's the T-shirt. Oh, I'm just one of you. Hey, man. He's the sweater. Yeah, he's yeah. a sweatshirt. And, and, and so you see these people and you look at Gates. Gates, Gates is, is, um, uh, not, has not built all that. Um, it's been built for him. Yes, he's played his part, but it's been built for him. And, and this is how it works. Um, if you're fronting for the cult, and Epstein, again, we'll, we'll see that um, same uh, process that I'm going to describe. Um, when you front up for the cult, um, you become incredibly rich for doing that. Um, you, uh, you benefit from whatever you're fronting up. You have the mansions, you have the vast wealth. But that comes with um, a rider uh, and... Um, and, uh, you know, you'll get rich, but, and that but is that you have to spend vast amounts of that money on advancing our agenda in various uh, ways. So um, you have, um, for instance, George Soros. George Soros um, fronts up for the cult uh, and as a result of that becomes immensely rich. Because um, if you know when the stock market's going up and when it's going down, you know when the economy is going to go up and when it's going to go down, uh, you don't have to be a brilliant um, financier to make enormous amounts of money because you buy when it's at its uh, uh, lowest point and you sell at its highest point. Uh, that it's it's you know and 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 if those that you uh, that own you are telling you was where those points are, then making a vast amount of money is no trouble whatsoever, and certainly doesn't take enormous amounts of intelligence. Working it out, if you're not connected to the cult and you don't know, you're not being told when it's going up and down. Well, that does take intelligence, yeah, but not if you're um, a, a cult operative. And so George Soros makes all this money, but his butt is, and, and almost um, all of these people are given particular specializations. Um, and the Soros specialization is vast amounts of the money you've made have to be spent on hijacking, transforming the left in politics, which has gone from the genuine left to um, woke, uh, which is uh, tyranny, uh, not left or right, but an absolute uh, tyranny. Um, and um, in any definition, woke would be considered actually far right, if you look at what it wants, or communistic, fascistic, whatever. Um, and, and so the last time I looked, um, 
Soros had put $32 billion into his open society foundations, which are funding organizations that are, are, are deleting me and pressing for me to be deleted. George Soros loves me, um, and uh, which I take as a, a compliment, really. Um, and, and you um, have the funding through the Open Society Foundations of people's revolutions, like the whole Arab Spring, where you manipulate people to overthrow regimes that you want overthrown um, uh, in, in this series of um, uh, regime changes in the Middle East. And what he's done, he's funded all the woke um, areas. He obviously is fundamental to the Democratic Party, which is now the woke party. Uh, and he's um, funding transgender uh, um, uh, um, op operatives and activists and climate change activists, all the, the woke, um, uh, you know, panorama. And that's his. And with Gates, because Microsoft has made him so much money, he has a number of specializations. But the key one is vaccines and control of the global health policy. Uh, and uh, th this is how it works. And I look at Gates. And I look at his eyes and, and I, I, I don't see life there. I, I, I see deadness. Um, I don't see his eyes ever smile. I, I, I see his mouth smile or struggle to occasionally, and it is occasionally. But his eyes never smile. Um, and he's, I find him, and this is not with hindsight of what's going on now. I'm talking decades ago. I looked at Gates and I thought, you don't strike me as the brightest person um, who's ever walked the earth. And he's, he's obviously, you know, he's got a, he's had a personality bypass. He's got no charisma. Um, the only charisma he gets is from his, from his uh, wealth, um, but not from him. Uh, and it, it's all part of this, um, this process of putting front people forward who would have to be brilliant to do what they appear to be doing, but, but actually turn out not to be. Right, they're just the, the front for the, the yeah. organization, basically. You know, we talk about Gates so. and the vaccine um, and control of the World Health Organization, but he's only a gopher. He's a very rich gopher, mm -hmm. but he's still only a gopher. The, the, the he's got all the attention on him, though. Everyone's him. Talk, every, we're talking about, you know what I mean, right? He has all the attention on him, especially on social media. And yeah. they, want, they want people to either view him as a pariah or a savior, and it's like, it, it's, it's more than that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I um, expose Gates because um, if you expose Gates, you're exposing the vaccine because the Gates and the vaccine are now, um, you know, absolutely connected in the public mind. They, they should be as well, because on uh, one uh, major level, he and the vaccine are the same thing. Um, that, you know, one is there to um, introduce the other. But Gates is still a gopher. You know, the, the real power is in the shadows. And Gates is as terrified um, of that power in the shadows as um, as other people are terrified of him. Now, when you're talking about the cult, are you talking about the Sabatinian Frankist cult? Do you want to kind of delve into a little bit of who they are? Is that what you're referencing? Uh, well, the, 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 the web is multi-level. The global web of manipulation is multi-leveled and has many different strands uh, and... and um, it pulls together a, a vast network of secret societies, semi-secret groups and organizations that we see in the public arena. What I've been um, I'm highlighting, my last book, um, The Trigger, which was a massive expose of 9-11 and 
far more than 9-11, but 9-11 was the, the, the backbone theme. Um, I was exposing a, a part of this network, which is a crucial part and a very, very uh, upfront part called Sabbatean Frankism. And this can be traced back, although it would have continued uh, further back under different names and in different forms. But from the 17th century, it became known as Sabbateanism, first of all. Um, and uh, this was named after a guy called uh, Sabbatai Zevi, who uh, claimed to be the Jewish Messiah. Uh, and um, they uh, were operating, or he was operating, in the uh, Muslim Ottoman Empire and was given the choice of um, being uh, seriously sorted out, shall we say, or um, converting to Islam. So he and many of his followers, he had a massive, massive following uh, uh, um, in uh, terms of uh, numbers ratio to the uh, population of the time uh, and uh, there was a mass conversion of him and many of his followers to Islam but it was only a on the surface uh, conversion they continued to operate um, their Sabbatean cult um, behind the scenes and um, I emphasize um, Sabbatean uh, which for reasons I've come to shortly, became Sabbatean Frankism, um, that it's a cult. And so it's nothing to do with the rank-and-file Jewish population. But what they do is um, tag exposure of that cult, which actually hates Jewish people, by the way, has contempt for them, um, with saying all Jewish people are involved in what they're doing, which is the last thing I'm saying. They're not. They're, that's why I say in the trigger a number of times, um, no one needs to uh, know about this cult, uh, the Sabbatean Frankist cult, uh, more than Jewish people because it's shafting them. And by the way, um, the sources for this um, are overwhelmingly Jewish sources, Jewish rabbis, Jewish writers, Jewish researchers, who've, um, who've realized that this um, cult, this Sabbatean Frankist cult has hijacked the Jewish community and runs Israel. It runs Mossad. It runs the uh, Israeli Defense Forces. Uh, so this is the level. And to to what people like Epstein and um, and uh, and uh, uh, Maxwell are answering and, and and are serving, not is the Israeli rank and file. It's this cult that runs Israel that it's answering to. So um, what the um, Sabbateans um, did and specialised in was infiltration. It was posing as members of a, another religion or another community or another, you know, whatever group um, and taking that group over in terms of control while appearing outwardly to be uh, advocates of that group, but actually they're serving the cult. And uh, 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 in the, the, the next century, the 18th century, along came a guy called uh, Jacob Frank, who has been described by uh, some Jewish uh, historians as uh, one of the most evil people in Jewish history. But again, and he was very, very close to the Rothschilds. 
In fact, the uh, Bavarian Illuminati that was created in, 19, in um, 1776 officially and fronted up by a guy called Adam Weishaupt was created by Mayer Amstel Rothschild, the founder of the Rothschild dynasty and Jacob Frank. Uh, the Rothschilds are Sabbatean Frankists. Uh, they pose as Jewish, but they're Sabbatean Frankists. And that's what, uh, that's what of course, the Frankist bit is, comes from Jacob Frank. So Jacob Frank then took this into new depths of evil, when evil for me is just the absence of love, and um, started infiltrating um, many and various um, areas of human society, not least the Roman church. It uh, took over the Vatican and they fronted up as, you know, pious um, uh, Roman church um, leaders when actually they were Sabbatean Frankists. And, and so it went on and eventually they were the force through the Rothschilds um, that, created, um, that created Israel. Uh, and uh, I have a chapter in the trigger called Atlantic Crossing, where I show how the uh, Sabbatean Frankists moved in on America and have continued uh, to expand that um, through a, a vast web of um, what appears to be Zionist and ultra Zionist organizations in America. And they are destroying uh, freedom of speech in terms of criticism of Israel, which actually, if you go below the surface, is criticism of Sabbatean Frankism because Sabbatean Frankism runs Israel. And the vast majority of the Israeli population don't know that. That's why I'm trying to get it across. Some some people do. I mean, I get in, interviewed by alternative um, uh, programs in uh, Israel about this very thing because they've realized it's happening. And, and so that you have um, a situation now where uh, criticism of Israel on American campuses is being shut down. And it's being shut down. It's been shut down by the Sabbatean Frankists because it's not criticism of Israel they're really concerned about. It's, it's um, the possibility that this whole web will be, um, will be uncovered. I'm talking of Webb, someone who does a lot of great work on this, called Whitney Webb. Uh, her stuff is very well worth reading. Yeah, Whitney Webb, we're big fans of hers. Um, she wrote for Mint Press News for a while, and now yeah. she's out with Amer Last American Vagabond. And uh, a lot of what I know about the mega group and Epstein um, is research that Ryan Dawson has done. Are you familiar with Ryan Dawson? Yeah, I think so. Yep, Ryan Dawson, uh, you know Adam Green, I know you've been on Adam Green's oh, show. Oh yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he does a lot of great work. Yeah, Adam's a buddy of mine, he's out in California. Um, so, yeah, so basically your conclusion with your book, The Trigger, and your research into 9-11, it's really a section of this cult here in America, that your PNAC neocon clique that was responsible for September 11th and covering it up. Well, I mean, the, 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 point, the point is this. Um, the Jewish population of the world is 0.2%. Now, that will shock a lot of people who don't know that because the, the coverage, you would think it would be much greater than that. It's actually 0.2%. The Jewish population of America is 2%. Then you take um, out of that all those people in the Jewish community, the great, great majority, who have no idea this cult exists or what's being done in their name. And that leaves a very, very, very few people um, to end up in extraordinary numbers of positions of power. Um, the um, 
the Google operation is owned by uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, both Zionists. The Google YouTube is run by um, Susan Wojcicki, Zionist. Facebook is fronted up by um, Mark Zuckerberg, Zionist, and the chief operating officer, Sheryl Sandberg, Zionist. Um, you saw the story with um, Twitter this week, um, whereby um, there's this row over fact-checking a Trump tweet about um, uh, mail-in voting. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the head of uh, site integrity uh, was another Zionist. So you, you, uh, the, the, you know, then you look in all these other areas and you look around Trump um, in that administration. And you look at um, the people that were controlling the White House and uh, controlling um, the Pentagon um, in the run-up through and after 9-11, and they were uh, invariably ultra-Zionists. You look at the people directly involved in 9-11 uh, uh, in the various areas, not least Larry Silverstein, who owned the World Trade Center. Um, they are ultra-Zionists. He's a friend of Netanyahu. They speak, used to speak on, the, the, might still do, speak on the phone every Sunday. Um, and uh, you then look at the people who, um, uh, who ran the investigation into what happened. Uh, people like uh, Michael Shertoff, ultra, ultra Zionist, who was head of the criminal division of the, um, of the Justice Department. And, uh, and basically oversaw the whole lack of investigation. And, and what I do in the trigger is, is simply look at all these different positions. Um, uh, who ran the security at the World Trade Center? Um, who controlled the computer systems of the White House, the Pentagon, the NORAD, the uh, organization that's supposed to react to hijackings? And you put it all together, and it's patently obvious that 19 Arab hijackers who couldn't fly one-engine Cessnas very well, um, no way did what they were supposed to do. Uh, uh, it was a Sabatine Frankist cult operation. That's that's where it came from. And and you know, as I, I mentioned, uh, there's a chapter in the book called "The Atlantic Crossing," where I talk about how that move, uh, how that this this Sabatine Frankist cult moved in on America. Well, it did, and it, it, it's um, it's the core of the CIA. It's the core of the National Security Agency. It's the core of the FBI. It's the core of what has become known now as the deep state in America. Um, and if you look at Trump, Trump is owned by Israel. And if he's owned by Israel, he's owned by the Sabatier and Frankist cult. This is why ever since Trump came to power, he's given Israel everything it wanted. The only thing he's not given them yet is a, a full out war with um, Iran, um, because um, it would be um, it would be suicide to his chances of winning the next election if he did that. Having said that, um, he was going to oppose all that when he got elected the first time. Um, now, who, who, who becomes the next president? Whether Trump gets a second term. Well, if it's a second term, second term presidents are very dangerous because they haven't got another election to win. They don't have to keep people sweet anymore. And uh, if, you look at, if you look at the alternative currently, which is Joe Biden in the Democrats, uh, he's obviously got serious uh, cognitive problems. And he is going to be absolutely, uh, perhaps in all American history, the um, if he became president, the most obvious um, empty shell um, where the people around him 
um, are calling all the shots. And uh, if um, if Biden gets in, then all the agendas of woke will be like a tidal wave coming in through him. Um, and the reason that uh, that woke can't um, express itself in the same way through Trump is that Trump's um, constituency that he has to keep um, sweet to support him um, is very anti-woke. So, you know, if you want full-blown woke, then it's uh, whatever follows Trump is where that will come from. I think it's funny how uh, they're like the Washington Post did a, did a, a piece on Stacey Abrams, like she was the second messiah, um, and the media is just totally doting over. But not not a single media report mentions that she was at the Bilderberg Group meeting last year with the likes of Jared Kushner and uh, Kissinger, um, Kissinger and Pompeo. Yeah. So, well, the thing is, you know, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, well, all you got to do is look at who owns um, who owns the Washington Post, Jeff Bezos. Bezos. Um, Who's um, made billions off this pandemic, by well, the way. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, um, you know, I've been saying for years that the plan is to destroy small business and even medium-sized business. Uh, and even some big business that's not cult-created. Uh, in fact, all big business is not uh, cult-connected, rather. Um, and um, I've been saying that the, the classic um, cult operation that they want to dominate uh, different areas of society in terms of corporations and commerce is Amazon. Uh, and uh, what's happened in this lockdown uh, pandemic uh, catastrophe for vast numbers of people is that the market share of Amazon has gone through the roof. Uh, and w well, how many businesses that were um, competition in some form for Amazon uh, will never reopen? Yeah, it's sad. Uh, yeah, so it's so really, it, it's really it, sad, man. It all fits. It's a cutting. This this, this pandemic hoax has given them everything. In fact, it's a funny thing. I just I think I mentioned earlier. I've just finished um, a, a book. It's called The Answer, um, which is going to print um, next week, actually. And nice. eighty five percent of the book was written before the pandemic uh, uh, kicked in in um, in any way uh, that was um, you know extreme. Um, and uh, what I've done uh, towards the end of the book is two chapters, lengthy, very detailed chapters in which I take the pandemic apart. I mean, just take it apart and uh, and show there is no virus. It's not even, you know, uh, uh, it's a, they've created a virus. No, there is no virus. Uh, and, and it's an extraordinary story. Um, but um, and, and if there's no virus, you can control it. Because you're controlling it by a fake test. Because this PCR test is fake. It's not. It's not testing for COVID nineteen. It's. I mean, it's. It's almost unbelievable. Talk about the bigger the lie, the more they'll believe it. So people are testing positive for COVID nineteen for a with a test that's not testing for COVID nineteen. So that's where the, the cases come from, and uh, the the deaths are coming from um, death certificate fraud, um, whereby they're redesignating everything that moves COVID nineteen. Uh, on my website, right. uh, on my website today, there's a a video where someone's uh, uh, pulled together um, these um, these different social media posts over these weeks from families and doctors and medical people and, and uh, loved ones who are telling their story, their personal story of how um, they've seen people uh, die of something, and then COVID nineteen, which was nothing to do with their death, goes on the death certificate. And I, there's a, a UK doctor who's just come out and talked about this. 
who, who you know, working in the National Health Service here, as it's called. And uh, he came out with a stunning line uh, where he said, I, I do know that other doctors have been uh, putting COVID-19 on the death certificate for anyone who's died from early March onwards. So this is where the figures are coming from. Um, and and when you've not got, you see, if, if, a, if, if you had a real virus, you've lost control of it. You don't know where it's going to go and what it's going to affect. But if you have the perception of one and you're actually creating the illusion through a, a fake test and manipulating death certificates and what have you, then you can control when the figures go up and you control when they go down. Uh, and you control when there's a second wave because that's coming. Uh, uh, I mean, they're going to have a field day this winter with this. Absolutely. Um, so uh, it's um, it's something that, um, you know, people obviously find difficult to grasp uh, uh, often because the scale of the lie is so massive. People say, oh, yeah, they lie, but they wouldn't lie that much. But they do. And it's in lying that much that they get people to believe that, Nah, they, they they wouldn't lie. They would they they wouldn't they wouldn't tell whoppers like that. Well, they would. I mean, we we sir, I'm sure you know people too, David, who've who've fallen ill since this thing. Um, you know, we I know a few people personally, even two in our family, but that none of them were actually tested. So they, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of, I'm somewhere. I it's personally, I I don't know. It's well, let's, let's, it's hard. To, it's hard to wrap my head around, man. Let, like, let me put. Uh, you know, let me, let, let that's me, why I appreciate your your perspective on this. Yeah, let me give me a, and, give you some figures. Um, and these are official figures from Italy. Um, ninety nine percent of people who were uh, had COVID nineteen on the death certificates in Italy. Ninety nine percent had one, two, three, four, or more other what they call morbidities. They were dying of other things. Um, and, um, you know, I, I quote a, an American medical scientist um, who, who, um, who I read his um, background um, explanation of this a long time ago, um, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks ago. And he's been proved absolutely right. First of all, he said, we're not testing for COVID-19. There isn't a test for COVID-19. That's been shown to be true. And he said, you know, we have in our bodies um, coronaviruses and um, other genetic material that will test positive for this test. And he said, um, if you wanted, and he believed that this is what was happening, and he's been proved right. If you wanted a fake pandemic for a fake virus, you would pick coronaviruses, a coronavirus for the pandemic, because there is a, a very large family of coronaviruses and many, many, many people have that them in their bodies, but in a state where they're no trouble and the immune system is keeping it under control. But uh, he said in this PCR test, by the way, the person who uh, uh, who developed the PCR test, a guy called Kerry Mullis in the 1980s, said this test should not be used to diagnose infectious disease, which is exactly what they're doing with it. Um, that, that, that he, this uh, medical scientist said that they will test um, positive. And he said, what you do then is you um, take um, people uh, who have the symptoms you say 
are the symptoms of your virus, which is what? Flu-like symptoms, pneumonia, respiratory problems. Um, these are so unbelievably common during the winter months, um, and they have a great range of causes. But what's been happening is you have a cough, or you have difficulty breathing, or you have any respiratory uh, problem, and you're immediately COVID-19 by definition. And, and there was a, a graph I saw at one point in this whole uh, uh, farce where the numbers of uh, people dying of other causes compared with other years was going down and the number of COVID deaths was going up at the same rate. Um, I, 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 and that's what they're doing. They're redesignating um, uh, uh, causes of death to COVID-19. Uh, and not only are they telling doctors they have to do that, and this has now come out in many parts of the world uh, through doctors and medical professionals who are talking about this, like this one in Britain was talking about it um, uh, in the last few days. But in America, through Medicare, um, they're paying hospitals $4,600 if they diagnose regular pneumonia. They're paying them $13,000 if they... Um, diagnose COVID-19 pneumonia, and they're paying them $39,000 if they put a COVID-19 pneumonia patient on a ventilator. Um, now, this, is, this has no sense whatsoever in medical um, protection or health. It's all manipulation. And because they're controlling it and giving the perception of it through figures and control of uh, figures, um, they can control when it goes up and when it goes down and when it comes back. And who's compiling these figures? They're being compiled worldwide and being quoted by the media worldwide um, uh, by the Johns Hopkins organization in America. And six weeks before this outbreak um, became public in China, um, they uh, ran uh, a simulation of a coronavirus pandemic, uh, which involved um, the uh, Johns Hopkins organization, uh, which is very close to the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which was also involved in this um, simulation, and the World um, Economic Forum, the, the front for the 1%, uh, that were that were running this simulation, which six weeks later um, uh, it was another simulation, but this time it was presented as real. Uh, and uh, so, wherever you look, um, you look at um, Professor Neil Ferguson uh, from Imperial College in London, who came out with the computer models—absolute nonsense—that um, five uh, hundred thousand uh, people could die in Britain and up to 2 million in America, and similar thing with other countries. And that was why we had the lockdown. People like um, Fauci and, and uh, Burks in America have admitted that the, 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 the um, Ferguson computer models with these projections, not real, not reality projections, um, were the, the, the thing that stimulated the lockdown. And so Ferguson, you see, and Imperial College, where this came out of, are both massively financially connected and funded by Gates. So's Fauci, so's um, Burks. 
Um, uh, so's uh, also um, Chris Whitty, the chief medical officer with the dark suits that are running the policy in Britain. Um, uh, the chief scientist uh, advisor to Boris Johnson, the British Prime Minister, is a guy called Patrick Valance. He was a long-time um, executive of GlaxoSmithKline, which is massively involved in this whole vaccine for uh, the non-existent COVID-19. Um, and, um, and, and GlaxoSmithKline has massive connections and interactions and business connections to Bill Gates. So it's, it's a web. And the politicians are basically sidelined. What they say is we're listening to the science. We're being driven by the science. No, you're being driven by the Gates cult uh, agenda through the scientists. And I would take Trump more seriously in terms of his pushback on this. If um, uh, people like uh, um, Burks and Fauci had long um, disappeared into history and were no longer involved in it, but they still are. Yeah, it's it's um, it's crazy times. The the virus is dominating everything. So I want to ask you to get your quick take. Um, maybe you've looked into this, maybe not. What's your take on the Beatles? Do you think they're just a Tavistock creation in an operation that was? Uh... I, I, I don't know. I, I think that um, uh, you know a lot of people, other people, have specialized in this um, uh, area. But the control of um, popular culture is very important to the cult because it it leads generations into different directions that the cult wants. Um, if you look back, um, and you know, I speak as someone who um, grew up in the sixties. Um, I was, t uh, you know, early. I went into in my teen teenage years and and. Um, and through my teenage years, basically in um, in the 1960s, and I love 60s music, and I love the whole, um, you know, um, we do too. The yeah. invasion, yeah, yeah all that the whole, music. the whole, the whole um, summer of love and all that stuff. Um, but it was all, it was all, uh, it was all manipulated. And one it of was the, one, yeah. of, one of the reasons um, for it was to just knock um, uh, out of the game a real feet on the ground uh, opposition to the uh, Vietnam War. And um, it, 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 um, it affected psychologically, um, you know, massive numbers of that generation. And I'm sure you've, you've, you've read the book about um, uh, the uh, fact that um, so many crucial people that, that drove the 60s music um, revolution came from um, intelligence and military families. Um, Laurel Canyon. Laurel Canyon. Yeah, the Laurel yeah. Canyon scene. Yeah, yeah. McGowan's yeah. book. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's a very, very good book. I read it ages ago, uh, and uh, you know Jim Morrison and all these people. So, uh, the, the, when you look at the Beatles and you look at the impact they had, um. Obviously, there's something more to know, to say the bloody least. There's something to more uh, to know about their manage, manager, um, Epstein, another Epstein. Uh, so so um, I've not looked into it in detail, but I, I'm very open to the fact that, um, you know, that phenomenon did not happen by accident. Absolutely not. I think like George and John kind of pushed back against that in the later years, especially John. I mean, this he was being 
watched by the FBI. I mean, I think Lenin probably realized what was going on and he had enough of it. And, um, you know, he wanted the organ, he wanted to play at big anti-war rallies and, uh, he was, he was a real threat. Yeah. And he'd also, he'd also sussed a lot of things. Um, I mean, I don't think he'd sussed the whole situation that that takes a one heck of a lot of research, but, um, he'd sussed a lot of things. Uh, when he, when he, he, he had the quote about, um, the world, uh, being run by insane people for insane ends. I mean, he, 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 he pretty much described where we are. I mean, you know, the, I know. The, these people may be uh, clever in the sense that they understand and work to understand human psychology. This is why they're, they're, they're very expert mass manipulators of human perception. But they're insane. <laughs> they're utterly insane. They're mad. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, that's. Uh, I still think that's one of the great tragedies from the '60s uh, music yeah. scenes. The loss of John Lennon in 1980. I mean, we've, we lost think, 40 we, years of. Yeah, I think we all felt it. I felt it. You know, I was working on it with the BBC at the time. It really hit me when he died. It was like, you know, a voice, a voice of sanity. With, uh, uh, in terms of you know what was going on in the world, a voice of sanity has died, and it hit me greatly, as it did many people. Yeah, absolutely. So, what's the um, what's the feeling in England right now on uh, on Prince Andrew overall? Would you say because there's this perception that the royal family is trying to scold him or exile him in the in the wake of the whole Epstein deal? But it, it probably it, it that feels like a farce. Like they're they're trying to make it look like they're pushing him aside. But what, what, what's what's the feeling on uh, and Prince Andrew right now? Well, um, I'm going to talk about Margaret Thatcher just very briefly. Because, the Iron Lady. Yeah, the Iron Lady. Because Margaret Thatcher had this um, philosophy that worked very well for her until the, the cult wanted rid of her in the end because she was resisting absorption into the European Union. But And her philosophy was this. She used to call it toughing it out. And her philosophy was that no matter what trouble you were in and um, how... Um, you were being criticized, etc., and people were trying to um, use a situation to remove you, whatever. If you tough it out, in other words, if you just don't give in, um, then something else will come along, probably shortly, but certainly eventually, that's going to take you off the front pages and what the trouble you're in off the front pages, and it's going to, it's going to be something else. Um, and uh, th this is one of, one, of, one of the things about this pandemic is that it's so dominated the front pages. What the heck has been, else has been going on that's not been reported? Um, so th th this cult works on that, tough it out um, philosophy. So at the moment, after the big furore about Prince Andrew, when the um, Epstein story broke, obviously with this pandemic uh, dominating everything, it's hardly mentioned. Um, Prince Andrews aren't hardly mentioned. And what they've done is they've just pushed him aside in the public arena. They pushed him aside uh, because um, he was in uh, he was in danger of, again, being a gateway to a much greater um, uh, unraveling of the web or uh, exposure of the web. Uh, and and because you know the cult is a, knows it has got any borders, 
um, then, you know, obviously both sides of the Atlantic will be working together to make it seem as if um, they are chasing him, um, but not chasing him enough that it actually unravels to reveal um, the nature of what was actually happening. So um, the, the royal family are, are um, well, they've had a, an, an endless history of covering up scandal and having it covered up for them. And this is just another one. Um, it, 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 I think it will, it will probably take another, another revelation to, to bring that back right into the public uh, attention because this pandemic has taken attention from everything. Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels that way, and 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 um, I, you, I, you know, the royal family comes up in your work a lot over the years. Oh yes, it seems like they were just—they've always been hanging out with pedophiles, man. Uh, Lord Mountbottom, Jimmy Savile, like what? What's yeah. the deal? Yeah, well, uh, uh, th th this is uh, something I've been pointing out for for decades: is um, the way the um, the royal family are are into um, uh, pedophilia massively and into Satanism. Uh, and, uh, you know, we had this guy, Jimmy Savile, who's a record-breaking paedophile. Uh, he's kind of the, the British um, Epstein in many ways. Um, and um, uh, he, he was in a, a bosom inner circle um, member of the, the royal family inner circle. He was also a close friend of Margaret Thatcher, uh, whose uh, cabinet um, during her time in government um, had many paedophiles um, uh, in, in well, not just the cabinet, in, in the government event uh, um, overall, many people who've been accused of paedophilia, and and people who have appeared in my books. Uh, so I mean, this this whole paedophile Satanism thing, and they're connected at, at the inner core. Those two things um, is um, is invariably what you find when you you dig deep into the background of um, of the rich and famous, because the cult is a death cult. That's what it is. Uh, and uh, and so you're going to find Satanism and you're going to find paedophilia for reasons I explain in my book. They're not only intertwined, but they are they are they are connected in many and various ways. Um, and uh, so the point I think though is coming, where in this whole new new order um, that the royal family of Britain will probably um, start to erode because what we have is a a queen uh who is in her 90s we have prince philip who is in a, in his 90s uh, these people live long lives you'll notice look at kissinger and david rockefeller kissinger's um, had a birthday he's 97 yeah there you go uh the, evil never dies yeah but they don't get the same treatment we do uh and um <laughs> But then, then, then you look at the next generation that's going to follow those because that that's coming. You've got Prince Charles, who's extremely unpopular, and he's, he's very much um, involved in this whole cult network. I mean, he's now um, coming out and saying we need a global reset um, to transform human society and human economics, which is exactly what the cult wants. And, and he's coming out and saying we need to do it to, to save the planet. Um, uh, 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 in this whole climate cult uh, nonsense. Um, so um, he's very much involved. He's going to be making a speech at Davos, I think, shortly, or at least for, for the, with the World Economic Forum. 
um, at, about this great reset. And, and, and this reset is actually a, a code word of the cult, the reset of society. That's what was happening now. Um, and uh, so you've got him and then you've got the next generation, which is um, Prince William, who's had a charisma bypass. And then you've got um, Meghan Markle and, and Prince Harry. They've, they've gone. And, and, and so you look at the British royal family in the aftermath of the departure, which can't you know, be too, too long, of the Queen and Prince Philip. And, and there's basically nothing left. Uh, and uh, I do you know, write in um, the answer about uh, what, whether the royal family will survive uh, post-Queen uh, for very long, because um, I don't think it's meant to. I think that's... They have um, they have expressions of the, the cult that, that play a part for a certain period, and then you go into a next stage, and they're no longer necessary, so they, they go and something else takes over. I think the, the British royal family is, um, is, is not going to have a terribly long history going forward. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> sure, hope let's, so. Let's, you know, I think Morrissey would agree too, man. Morrissey's taken a lot of heat for his views on the royal family. What, what do you think about Morrissey? Well, you know, um, he uh, comes out with his opinions. Some of them I agree with, some of them I don't. But um, he, um, you know, he, he's right on the royal family. I mean, you, it, you know, I, I've had this, 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 this phrase I've used for pretty much most of the last 30 years. Take a deep breath, take a step back, look at it again. Because what happens is when things are familiar, familiarity is, um, is, is, is of great form of my control and perception control, because things that are familiar never get questioned. Um, they become gimmies, gimme perceptions. So you know, the, the royal family's, you know, been part of Britain for so long, and it's a gimme, oh, the you know, British royal family, yeah, okay. So, but just take a, take a breath, take a step back, look at it again. We have a head of state, not just in this country, but Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the Commonwealth countries, um, who is only head of state because of a bloodline. Be, uh, uh, and, and the head of state is chosen by who had sex with who, in what order. So you get the order of succession. Um, and it's nonsense. It's crazy. You know, head of state by bloodline. But what that is, is a um, in-your-face expression of how this cult works. Because it all works on bloodline. Because, you know, if we go deeper um, into this, the... Um, the inner core of the cult and the um, the major representatives of the cult worldwide are, are not human in the way that we perceive um, human. Um, they are a, a different, shall we say, information field. They're a different software program. And this is why they interbreed. It was once royal families interbreeding openly. To, to what? To hold a certain genetic um, type uh, what what i would call in today's parlance to 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 maintain a software program uh, and now we have the um post mostly post royal representations of the cult which are dark suits professions but they invariably interbreed um um as well with with each other like the eastern establishment families of the united states etc and so um, uh, you, you 
have the royal bloodline and people accept that. But actually, um, outside of what we see, the other major cult families also interbreed incessantly, not for love, but for genetics. And um, the, um, the reason for that is they're holding a particular software program, uh, information field. Uh, and the reason for that I explain in the books. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is all in our face, and, and a lot of it is becoming unraveled. And you know, a lot of it has to do with the great work you've done, David, over the last thirty years. So I want to wrap it up here and um, just thank you so much for everything that you've done. You continue to do. You've been a big inspiration on me and a lot of the stuff I've done, and, and uh, being willing to say things and research things and go down dark corners and into into the shadows because that's the best disinfectant, shining a light on it. Yeah, it's uh, really all we can do. So I want to give you the last word. How can we um, keep fighting against the corruption and the powers and, and make a better planet? Well, the, I, I wrote the book, The Answer, um, for that reason. I, I didn't know at that time that, uh, you know, that this massive um, upheaval was uh, coming in their time scale. I knew it was coming. But um, the pandemic has, has obviously quickened its um, its unfolding. But um, I did set out to to come up with a, 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 the answer of, of how we bring an end to this. And that answer stands more now um, after these um, recent events than, than ever it has. So that's all in that book. But on, on one level, uh, what we need to do is speak our truth. And, and you know, it, it, like you said earlier, if we censor ourselves, one thing's for sure, the truth is not going to circulate or our version of the truth is not going to circulate. Therefore, another version of the truth is going to dominate and it's going to dominate people's perceptions and therefore um, it's going to dominate their behavior. Uh, we need to speak our truth. And if people don't like it, well, they can do the other thing. But we need to speak our truth and keep speaking it. And if, if, if people attack us and ridicule us, well, all right, so what? But you keep speaking your truth. And I'll tell you from personal experience that if you, um, if you keep doing that and what you say has any validity, it will eventually be shown to be so. Because I'm, I'm now being, like I said earlier, stopped in the street by people who were laughing at me 30 years ago, 20 years ago, even 15, 10 years ago. Um, and if I'd not spoke my truth then, it wouldn't be shown to have validity now. Uh, and, you know, when you do that, you're going to get ridiculed and you're going to get dismissed. Nothing like on the scale that when I started out and, and, you know, there was virtually no alternative media at all. Um but you keep doing it, and um, eventually, if, it, if what you say has validity, it will be shown to be so. And, uh, but if you don't say it in the first place because you fear what other people think, then it won't be shown to be so because you'd never have said it. So come on. Never mind what people think of you. They'll think something else tomorrow. It doesn't matter. What matters is you speaking your truth, whatever that may be. Well said. Thank you, David. Thank you very yeah. much. Been a real That's pleasure, awesome. fellas. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks for coming on, David. And, um, you know, hopefully next year when things settle down, you, you got any plans to come back to America? Yeah, well, as soon as, well, as, soon as I can. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because we got. Uh, I, I'll tell you now, I ain't wearing a freaking mask on a plane. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, this well, we is another eat. thing, very important. Um, yes. If you concede to stupid, you become stupid. Don't concede to stupid. Right? If they say you, you, you do this or you can't do that, well, don't do it. Because, yeah, because, because, because if you do, you concede to stupid. And wearing masks right. is ridiculous, not least because um, viral particles are, are much smaller than the holes in the mask. But, and there's so much more to know about viruses and what they are, really. Um, so don't tell me I have to wear a mask to do this. Because if, if I have to wear a mask to do this, I ain't going to do it. Because I ain't wearing a mask, right? And I'm not doing this stupid thing you're telling me to do and that stupid thing you're telling me to do. And, and if enough people refuse to acquiesce and cooperate with their own enslavement. Well, there's no enslavement. It's simple as that. We have the power. The power they have is the power we give them, and we need to stop doing it. Right. Well, that's awesome, David. And uh, if we could, we would love to show Renegade here in New Hampshire. I'd love to have you come up for a screening and set up a screening. We just watched and, Renegade and some pints. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, uh, we're sponsored by a brewery right here in town, and there's, a, a private, there's an independent theater and a brewery, so... If we can get you to New Hampshire at some point, David, we'd love to have you come out, do a screening at Renegade, a question and answer, and then we can have some pints. Yeah, well, sp sponsored by Brewery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that sp sounds sponsored good. by Post and Beam. Yeah. That sounds good. All right, every everybody, <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, you can check David Ike out at Iconic.com, and he's still on Instagram, and he's still on Twitter, correct? Yeah, well, the last time I looked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody. And please uh, subscribe to Jackman Radio and check us out. We're on Patreon.com slash Jackman Radio and all your major social media platforms. And stay woke, everybody. Thank you. Take care. <laughs>